3: Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined, as always, by my co host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday
4: edition of the show. Thanks, Kyle. Super excited to be here, but probably even more excited about our guest today.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And before we get to our guest, we do have some breaking news on the show today. It is being reported by Lions beat writer Dave Burkett that TJ Lang is going to be hanging up the cleats and retiring from the NFL. Lang, obviously a fan favorite, spent the majority of his career in Green Bay before signing with the Detroit Lions. Lang has been hampered by injuries these last couple seasons, but we obviously want to wish him the best in retirement. And maybe we will just get that one-day contract so he can properly retire with the Green Bay Packers. So we'll wait and see on that, but did want to break that news to you all on the pod today. Uh, But we are super excited to have with us tonight... Joe Marino of the Draft Network. You might also know him from the Draft Dude podcast. Joe is an NFL Draft analyst, a great evaluator of college football talent, and at heart is a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. Joe joined us last fall to preview the Packers Week 4 matchup with the Bills, and he has graciously joined us again today to talk a little bit about the 2019 NFL Draft. So, Joe, welcome back to the Pack-A-Day podcast.
2: Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. And and uh, I forgot that was what we did last time I was on. Uh, and congratulations on that uh, massacre, if you will, back in week four. <laughs>
4: yeah, it was kind of a boring game to be at. Uh, I bet. I bet it was. <laughs> but <laughs> it was... I I do fully expect the Bills to be significantly improved this upcoming season. Um, and before we get all carried away with draft prospects, I did want to say that if you haven't got a chance, you really need to check out the make your own big board and the mock draft tools at the draft network.com. I, I was flashing back to when I was a kid and I would like cut out the one mock draft our newspaper would publish. And I would post it up on my, my little bulletin board. Um, and, Maybe I would get lucky enough for my parents to buy me a draft guide in a few years. And um, eventually I navigated to printing out draft sheets from what seemed like three internet resources I could find on like Ask Jeeves or whatever <laughs> search engine I was using at the time. And then most more recently, I would always have a folder of internet shortcuts and in that it, it would get super extensive. Um, I would bounce around. I would use them for draft profiles and combine results and... Sources for tape on players and a bunch of mock drafts. And now I have a folder with just two shortcuts. There's the draft network and my film resources. That's it. Because you guys did a really phenomenal job of building resources and tools into one place. So a sincere thank you for that. Because... That was a lot of clutter in my internet browser, um, and really, this is an awesome source for source for draftniks like me. And and you seemingly found a way to create all of those best resources into one space.
2: Th- thank you. Yeah, that you know that's that's kind of our vision. So I, I mean, I kind of got chills listening to you talk there, realizing that all the all the thoughts and efforts that we tried to put into building this thing have achieved exactly what we wanted to. So thanks uh, for for the shout out there. And and I'm glad that you're enjoying our resources.
3: Yeah, it is a really awesome resource resource. So be sure to check that out at the draft network. Uh, But until last week, Packer fans pretty much assumed that green Bay would be using their early round draft picks to fix this defense. They were missing talent at pass rusher and at safety and on just about every level of the defense, honestly, but then free agency happened and the Packers did something uncharacteristic of the Packers. They signed free agents and they signed a lot of them with the additions of Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos. And, you know, they, they really did a lot to the defensive side of the ball. And it kind of seems that they've opened the door to use some of these draft picks on the offensive side of the, the ball and maybe get some. Weapons for Aaron Rodgers and maybe some guys who would just keep Rodgers upright and healthy. So let's spend some time here at the beginning of this podcast talking about what the Packers might do on the offensive side of the ball in the draft,
4: Andrew. Yeah, so the Packers' current right tackle, Brian Balaga, is entering the last year of his contract and hasn't always been able to stay healthy. So the Packers might be looking to add the right tackle to the future in this draft. Joe, do you think there is any tackles who are a good fit on the right side and who would be maybe worthy of the 12th overall pick? So so when I think
2: about the 12th pick in the draft, and who could be there and who would be the most valuable? Uh, there's only two names that come to mind that I would spend the 12th pick in the draft on for an offensive tackle specifically on the right side first of all Juwan taylor from florida who uh he just had such a terrific uh 2018 season there for the gators uh bounced around a little bit between the left and the right side but he has found his niche there playing right tackle and i think in today's nfl you know it's not like in the past where you you can hide your bad pass blocking offensive lineman on the right side it doesn't work like that anymore these pass rushers they come from every angle and so you can't you can't just hide the big fat guy with long arms over on the right side. You got to be able to move and 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 pass protect like we expected left tackles to. So I don't think there's much of a of a discussion anymore about, you know, the value of a right versus a left tackle. You need two good tackles, but Juwan Taylor really came became comfortable this past season on the right side and he he faced a murderers row of pass rushers in, in the SEC there and even Brian Burns from Florida State. And I just thought he he was sensational. Big guy, he can move, he's got uh, he's a good pass blocker, wins in the run game, he reaches landmarks in space. I mean, I love him. And I think, you know, the reality is I don't know if he gets to 12 because I think he's probably in discussion starting at 3 to the Jets, but he'd be a dream if you're going to go right tackle. And I'm also comfortable with Jonah Williams in that spot from Alabama, a guy that uh, he played left and right tackle for Alabama, so there's there's uh the you know, he's already proven that he can do both and he and he performed well on both sides and I would really get interested in this particular marriage because there's not that immediate need for him to play right away, and there's everything to love about Jonah Williams in terms of his feet, his base, how he frames rushers, how good he is in terms of power, winning in space, but he's got one big flaw, and that is effectively using his length to keep edge rushers off of his chest and there are just times where you know I know he checked in with thirty three and five eighth inch arms, which is plenty long arms to play tackle, but the reality is he got outreached a lot, and guys would get into his frame and that would really compromise his anchor at time. You give this guy a year to really get his strikes down, his hand placement down, everything else is so clean and polished that I think there's a natural opportunity for him to supplant Balaga in uh, 2020.
3: And Jonah Williams is someone that I actually really like. um, And I like the fact that he is going to be a little bit pissed off that people don't think that he can play tackle. He said he will play guard, right? But he wants to play tackle. And so I like that he's got that chip on his shoulder coming into the league. Um, the Packers traditionally gravitate towards at elite athletic testers. So I'm sure that Andre Dillard will be on their radar. You know, that's not someone that you mentioned here. Obviously, you know, the Packers have their left tackle and David Bakhtiari that like we talked. But is Dillard someone that you would consider at right tackle? And is he worth the 12th pick in the draft, in your opinion?
2: So... Two different points there. I wouldn't take him at 12. Uh, I personally don't value him that much. I think there's a lot of work to be done with Dillard. Now, the good news is he's got all the traits to develop into everything you could ever want in a pass blocking offensive tackle. So the projection to him on the right side is interesting for me because I think he needs to completely relearn his, his set points and his kick slide to work at the NFL level just based on what he was asked to do at Washington State, which was a lot of vertical sets, a lot of short sets just, you know, not a lot of technique to what he was asked to do is basically make the rusher go where he wants to go a little bit more than he wants to get there and give Minshew that two and a half seconds to get the ball off. And so the technique work isn't there. So what I, what I get excited about is he's got to relearn the position anyways. Might as well just do it on the right side if you need to do that. So I I'm comfortable there. I just think there's so much work to be done. And if I'm taking a guy in the top half of the first round, I don't want a guy that's as raw and needs as much work, although there is considerable upside there with Dillard.
3: And I think Packers fans are a little bit nervous about Jason Spriggs and maybe that uh, <laughs> developmental process that we thought we could do with Jason Spriggs a couple years back.
4: So uh, I think a lot of Packers fans will hope that Dillard is passed on at 12, probably. Yeah, and Kansas State's Dalton Reisner is a favorite amongst Packers fans and could be somebody who is selected at the end of round one. Do you do you see Reisner as a tackle or a guard?
2: I think what I love about Reisner is you can play him maybe at five spots on the offensive line. And so wow. what that does is that gives you that position flex, right? So you don't have to marry him to any one spot. I think he'd be perfectly fine at right tackle. That's probably where I would start him. But, you know, you have the opportunity to play him in multiple spots and really afford yourself that opportunity to, to get your best five guys out on the field. So uh, I think 12 might be a little rich, you know, maybe that last first round pick could be in play. But the the thing about him is he's you know four year starter, really refined technically he's an older guy and I just don't feel like there's going to be much of a curve. Maybe he doesn't have a super high ceiling, but I would be very surprised if he wasn't a guy that we thought about as a very consistent, solid starter in the NFL.
4: And with the Packers seemingly always having three offensive linemen out by the middle of the season, (laughs) it would be nice to have somebody with some position flexibility.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sticking with the offensive line, Green Bay did address guard in free agency with the addition of Billy Turner, which was kind of a surprise. Uh, But if the Packers were to address guard, who are some of the athletic offensive linemen that might be a fit for the Packers outside zone scheme in maybe like the second or the third round?
2: So that, you know, you know, it's Chris Lindstrom is the guy that really pops out of Boston college. I've seen his valuation all over the place. I mean, I take him in the top 30 myself, but if he's the guy that could be there in the second round, I mean, you would love to get him. He's athletic. He's a guy that played some tackle at Boston college and kicked inside the guard and really became a dominant player. And so, you know, Boston college was known for their dominant rushing attacks. And Chris Lindstrom gives you the pass blocking upside of an offensive tackle on the interior, but he, he's done so many different things with that run scheme in terms of uh, trapping and pulling and lead blocking and down blocking and hitting angles and all that type of stuff, winning as a drive blocker. So you can do so much there. I mean, he'd be a really nice pick uh, in the second round if he were to fall. And then I like Drew Samaya from Oklahoma. Um, I think he, the other guy, Ben Power, seems to get a lot of pub, but I like Samaya better, particularly for what you're talking about with the zone scheme there, a guy that can really move laterally and uh, and, and get those reach blocks and – reach those landmarks in space. And I think he's got a guy that just has more mobility that I like. And I think he's probably equal in terms of power. And then i uh, give you one more name, Connor McGovern from Penn state. Uh, he would be definitely the third of the group. I'm talking more of a third round option, but you talk about lateral mobility guys that uh, have some upside to get out in space and, you know, hit those cut blocks and all that stuff that you need to do that requires that foot speed and lateral mobility. Connor McGovern from Penn state's another guy that would come to mind towards the end of day two.
4: And, and listen to us talk an offensive line, Kyle, it's, (laughs) it's, it's like eating our vegetables. We're, we're spending so much time. So of course I'm going to go straight for dessert here and the, the playmakers Uh, Joe, are there any second or third day wide receivers you think fans should keep their eyes on?
2: You know, what's so interesting about this wide receiver class is I feel pretty good that DK Metcalf's uh, DK Metcalf's going in the first round, but is there going to be another one? Is there two first round receivers this year? And like, I think you can make a case for some guys, maybe a guy like Hakeem Butler from Iowa state, maybe in kill Harry from Arizona state. Maybe if Hollywood Brown didn't have a Liz Frank injury and wasn't 160 pounds, you know, but I think the reality is the only thing we know for sure is that DK is going in the first round. So could the Packers get a Calvin Harmon in the second round from NC state, or could Hakeem Butler slide and Kiel Harry Debo Samuel from South Carolina, who really kind of fits maybe what uh, South Carolina, or what, not South Carolina, that's where he played school, what the Packers had in Randall Cobb, a similar type player. So I think, you know, even A.J. Brown in the second round, I think there's going to be a lot of guys in the second round, even into day th- uh, the the third round, where if the Packers wanted to go with a wide receiver, they could get good value waiting. And I'm not sure that would be something I'd think about for them in the first round, even though I can see the need for more playmakers outside.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can pre- You you can, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you can pretty much guarantee that if the Packers draft a receiver in the second round, they're going to be a pro bowler. That's the one
3: consistent. Right, right. (laughs) We haven't done it in a while, so maybe we should do it again. That'd be probably a pretty good move there. Um, There seems to be a consensus thought that, you know, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson are the two top tight ends. Um, Is there anybody on your radar that you like that, Ah, uh, could be someone that maybe the Packers could target later in the draft that has your eye right now.
2: How much later are we talking?
3: <laughs> Let's Dave. say second or third round.
2: All right. So second and third round, there's three three names that I really like. Uh, if you miss out on one of the Iowa guys, first of all, Irv Smith from Alabama, um, good blocker. So you you like you, you there's no concessions with him. He's a good blocker and receiver but I think he's a really good blocker too. So there's there's that that added value of getting a dynamic receiving threat by a guy that can can move bodies in the trenches as well. I really like Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. A really outstanding seam-busting type guy, a guy that runs really fluid routes. I mean, if you want him on a stick route, I mean, he's going to get open all day long, working there, you know, setting the juke move out to the inside and then cutting out towards the boundary. I mean, He's going to get open. He's really outstanding on those outbreaking patterns. A guy that really only had one year of production at Texas A&M after a couple of years at Kansas and then Juco, and then he finally gets to Texas A&M and he dominates the SEC. I mean, I think he was, uh, every single game he had at least one catch of over 20 yards. I mean, you'd love to put that with Aaron Rodgers. And then if you're talking about round three, I really like Kahal Waring from San Diego State. Uh, I think he's ready to go right now as a blocker, but he's a guy that played like Seven different sports in high school. I don't even know how he did it. I mean, like water polo and every other sport you can possibly manage. Except for he played only one season of football. So he's a walk-on to San Diego State in 2015. By 2017, he's a scholarship athlete. And now I'm thinking about this guy as a top 100 pick, maybe top 75 pick. And uh, I think you you can probably get a lot of value there if if you – uh, c- can develop him. And I think he's got a nice ceiling. You can just tell, I mean, just by his body composition, that he's a guy that works and, and just how much he improved throughout his career at San Diego state and his physical upsides really good. And then you think about, you know, I know that the the Packers would love to get immediate impact guy, but they do have, you know, Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. And so maybe there's some, some reward there and, and waiting and, and seeing, you know, setting yourself up with by improving the roster elsewhere, waiting on that tight end and getting a guy like Warren who has a high ceiling.
3: Yeah, I think that's kind of like the panic is like you've got to take a Noah Fant or a TJ Hawkinson, you know, and they're probably going to go anywhere from, you know, eight to 20, and you feel like you're not going to get them at 30 if you wait. So, where would you take someone like Moreau from LSU? How do you value him?
2: I like Moreau. To me, he's more of an early day three guy. Um, the thing about him, I mean, obviously he wasn't very accomplished in terms of what happened with LSU. I mean, just bad quarterback play and he just didn't make a ton of plays. Um, I think he's got good blocking ability, but there's just a lot he needs to do in terms of the receiving side, in terms of developing as a, as a route runner, he has some con- concentration drops and, um, yeah, I just don't know if I see a high ceiling as a starter. And so, you know, I think he's kind of one of those guys that's, pretty baseline across the board has some warts. And so I just don't get excited about him as a starter, but I think he can give you a high quality number two tight end on day three.
4: Absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks, man. On the surface, it seems like this is another deep draft class of running backs. Is there anyone that you'd be keeping your eye on for day three?
2: Oh, I always, yeah, the day three running backs are, are, you can always get good ones. Right. And and to me, it's like, which ones are going on day two? I think when you think about predicting this draft, I mean, I think we feel certain that Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, those kind of guys are going to be picked, but who's going to be the holdovers? Does the guy like Damian Harris from Alabama get there? A guy who I think is about as consistent as they come. He's just not very explosive, but I mean, he he really is smooth and he's big and he catches the football, he pass blocks. I mean, I like him. If you were to get there to day three, same thing with uh, Iowa State's David Montgomery. I think you probably get everything you get in Damian Harris that I just said, plus a little better hands. It may be a little less explosive in terms of his burst. I mean, I love Devine Zigbo from Nebraska. I think he's a very nuanced runner, a guy that catches the ball. Really like how he manipulates the second level with his step frequency. I mean, Justice Hill. If you're looking for more of a receiving threat, a third down guy, guy with some juice to him. So, I mean, trying to figure out where these guys are going to go is difficult at the running back position. But there's always going to be some value on day three and. You know, I don't know if any of those names will be there. A lot of them could go day two. But, you know, I I mean, I I feel like there's always going to be the sweet spot of day three for running backs.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And we know that Matt Lafleur wants to run the ball. So we expect that he would add somebody to the mix, even though they do have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams there. Uh, But, Joe, we really do appreciate you taking the time to join us on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you just take a minute to tell the listeners a little bit more about the Draft Network and what you guys are working on over there right now.
2: Yeah, appreciate that. We're really excited about the draft network. We launched in August after months and months of preparations to figure out the model that we wanted to go with and what we wanted to do on the site. And I mean, we've got a lot of plans for the future in terms of where this thing is going, but uh, really excited about our staff. We've got Ben Solak, Kyle Krabs, John Ledger, myself, Trevor Sykema. J.C. Cornell is founder and CEO. Uh, Brad Kelly as well. Paige Damakis is a wonderful host, and she does a lot for us as well. Um, and we all work together, and we've got a really exciting content program where you're going to go there. I mean, we're going to put anywhere from three to seven new pieces of written content out every single day. We've got two daily podcasts on the NFL Draft. But uh, what really gets me excited about is our interactive features. And so you can go on there. You can use our Build Your Own Big Board software and uh, you can go right on the website and you can create your own player rankings. You can rank as many or as few players as you want and uh, create your own board and sort them by positions and you can you can adjust it and move guys up and down and and you can make your own big boards. And then we also have our our mock draft machine, which is a mock draft simulator where you can go be the general manager for the Green Bay Packers. and you can make these picks. You can have all the rest of the draft picks simulated. And when it's the Packers' turn, you choose the player, and you can do that for one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven rounds. And uh, you can control as many teams as you want. So let's say you have a buddy over, and they're a um, they're a Bears fan, which would probably be weird for Packers and, and Bears <laughs> fans to be friends. But you can have them; they can pick for the Bears, and you can pick for the Packers. And so you can just kind of simulate these mock drafts and and put yourself in those shoes and try different things. You know, I'm I'm a Bills guy, so what I like to do is is try different things like, okay, if the Bills were to go with this position in the first round, what does it look like the rest of the way? And there's just so much opportunity, so much fun you can have with it. I mean, I probably do 15 simulations a day. So uh, (laughs) check out the mock draft machine over on the draft network. And thanks for the chance to talk about it.
4: If you enjoyed our conversation with Joe, be sure to listen to next Friday's podcast when we get Joe's thoughts on some defensive prospects that could be of interest to the Packers in the draft. But that is all the time we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next next week with continued coverage of the NFL Draft, and again we'll be hearing the second half of our interview with Joe Marino this time about the defensive side of the ball. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Please welcome Hall of Fame fullback Jim Taylor.
3: With the 64 pick in the 211 NFL Draft, the Green Bay
2: Packers select Randall Cobb. Wide receiver, Kentucky. Well, this is it, Rock, the season. Right here on this fourth down play. How many times have we said that on this drive? Rodgers in the shotgun, three receivers left, one to the right. Rodgers gets the snap, blitz is on, Rodgers scrambles left, got winds got on, rainbow. up, rainbow He's got Cobb to the 10 to the 5, yes! to the end zone, touchdown, and a dagger! Oh my goodness, an NFC North Division Championship dagger, a 47 yards. I Rodgers from the 42 of New York fourth down and 2 snapped a rod looking downfield scrambles right now winds up rainbows into the end zone it is caught to the end zone yes. She's on. Shotgun on third down and 10. Snap to Rodgers. Steps up. lots it. Left
1: side. And Touchdown. Yeah. Touchdown. To Randall Cobb. And the record. All
2: time. Consecutive passes without an interception. Aaron Rodgers. 359 in a row.